You're listening to The RN Mentor, a podcast designed to document and bring you the work and experience of some of the most influential nurses in our profession. We will be sitting down and having a discussion with the leaders of today's nursing world as they share their work, how they navigate their nursing path, and their views on the future of the profession. My name is Ali Tayeb. I am a registered nurse, United States Navy veteran, a Jonas Veterans Healthcare Scholar, and your host for The RN Mentor. And welcome to another episode of the RN Mentor Podcast. Uh, very excited to be joined today by Dr. Dan Weberg. Dr. Weberg is a fellow of the American Academy of Nursing, as well as an expert in nursing, healthcare innovation, and complex systems leadership. He has extensive clinical experience in emergency department, acute inpatient hospital settings, and academia. Dr. Weberg supports Kaiser Permanente as an executive director of Nursing Workforce Development and Innovation, supporting nursing workforce planning, a systems level new grad residency program, and other system level nursing education initiatives. He has also held leadership roles at KP in nursing innovation, research and technology strategy across eight regions, 38 hospitals, and 68,000 nurses. He was also part of the founding faculty for the Kaiser Permanente School of Medicine. He served as vice president for transformation services at Ascension, supporting 60,000 nurses and 140 plus facilities in modernizing nursing technology, developing new care models, and measuring innovation outcomes. Dr. Weberg is on the faculty at the Ohio State University College of Nursing and multiple innovation fellowship programs. He is on the editorial board for Nursing Administration Quarterly and has authored two dozen peer-reviewed articles and two textbooks, including Evidence-Based Innovation Leadership for Health Professions, and leadership in nursing practice. Dr. Weberg earned his bachelor's in nursing and was in the first cohort to graduate from the master's in healthcare innovation program and the first ever graduate of the PhD in healthcare innovation leadership program at Arizona State University. Dr. Weberg serves on several boards, including as vice president of the American Nurses Association, California. Welcome to the show, Dr. Weberg. Thanks, Ali. This is great, and uh, I'm so excited to be here. And finally, we've been we've been chatting offline so many times, and it's finally to, to be good to be officially on the podcast. Uh, yeah, thank you. And you're you're a podcast uh, connoisseur or 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 or, or uh, uh, podcaster yourself, I should say. Uh, so that's not on your bio, but but you have that history as well. So uh, yeah, excited, excited to have you on the show. Yeah, we did a few set. We did about six seasons uh, of uh, of it, and it was it was a great learning experience. So excited to contribute to the podcast nation. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, so we'll get started right with my first question for all my guests: Is how did you uh, get started in the world of nursing? Yeah, that uh, I sort of fell into it. Um, I was uh, I was a freshman at Arizona State University, and I was a business major as a freshman. And I uh, took my economics class. I think it was macroeconomics, and I hated every second of it. <laughs> and I went I went back after that class and said, I don't want to sit in a cubicle for the rest of my life. 
And, uh, and, uh, and, and actually during the spring break, while my friends were out partying in Mexico and other places, I, I stayed in the dorm for that week and I went through all of the, uh, majors and just started thinking about like what really got me excited. And I, I sort of reflected back in high school, I really liked anatomy and physiology class. Um, and so decided to actually go pre-med, um, and, and went down that track and just was not, not a fan of, of the pre-med culture, um, of the sort of type a gunner, you know, high achievement, like I'll take all these extra things to try and round out a resume and just didn't, didn't like that. And one of the advisors said, well, you know, not everyone gets into medical school. You should have a backup. And I was like, I don't know what my backup will be. I'll just choose (laughs) nursing. Uh, and I had no idea. Like I literally had no idea. Um, I started volunteering at some hospitals in the ER. I did some migrant health work with farmers in uh, migrant farmers in in Arizona, and really sort of found my calling with with patients and with people. Um, and and started re- digging more into nursing, and ended up dropping the pre med stuff and going full uh, full bore into nursing. Uh, barely scraped in. Um, I don't think I would even get into nursing school now <laughs> with my I had like a three point five GPA and a. You know, I, there's an entrance exam to nursing schools. I, I like I aced that. That was probably the only way I got into nursing school and um, and fell into nursing school and just fell in love with it. And I think, you know, I transformed a little bit. I was, I was sort of uh, uh, that pre-med sort of mentality, I think, rubbed off on me. So my first year of nursing or my first semester of nursing school was really um, humbling. And I had some great mentors sort of gut check me and um, and then just fell in love with the profession. And, and here we are. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, uh, yeah, you you mentioned not being able to get a, get into uh, nursing school. Yeah, I don't think I, I would be in the same boat as you. I don't like my GPA would not be uh, competitive at this point in my life, and uh, it's kind of uh, you know I want to almost say it's kind of sad to say that because GPAs are so, uh, for me anyway the way I see it is not indicative of success in the nursing program or how well you do in the world of nursing. Yeah. Right. Uh, and I think uh, it's sort of sad that we have to GPA plays such a huge role. Like I get it. You have to pass certain courses. Uh, but, you know, like even like if you look at some of the programs where, for example, uh, you know, for myself, like I'm sure I got extra points for being a veteran uh, for the nursing program. And that may be how I got into the nursing program. Um, but from from a pers- from my perspective is when we look at these uh, uh models of how we we uh, have students come into nursing programs uh so from like i said like the veterans perspective you have veterans who don't necessarily come in with the best gpas right like maybe on the low end of your entrance uh, into the university or the school uh, but their success rates is still high right uh, and actually, a lot of most of them, actually, if you look at veterans across the board, their success rates in completing higher education is higher than their civilian counterparts. So the fact that as a profession, we harp so much on GPAs is kind of on how they, we allow people to enter into programs is kind of uh, doesn't doesn't rub me the right the right way. So, yeah, no, no, I agree. I mean, um, when we, one of the things that we were doing when we built the Kaiser Med School we were actually looking at the data for MCAT pass rates. Um, and there was some correlation in the research on MCAT pass rates and success as a physician. And th- there's some research on that. So we use that, but we tried to lower the bar um, as close to that passing number as possible. Yeah, And um, and that was to open up the opportunity for people who, 
you know, have other talents other than standardized test taking exactly. to, to, to bring to the profession. And I think, you know, there's an aspect of nursing that, that needs that. I mean, um, I was talking with somebody recently and, you know, I said, you know, nursing is just an interesting profession. And, and I, we were talking about why, and they had this hypothesis that nursing really represents the, the population at large. You have all of the, all of the same diversity that we have in the United States represented in the profession at all, at all levels. And so um, it, it reflects those same challenges that we have in our society. And it's kind of an interesting thing, but we can only have that if we allow for that, 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 that diverse non um, academic story to come through as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Um, I mean, we're not, we can definitely diversify more just being mm-hmm. both of us being a male in the in the primarily female female profession we can definitely and and I don't know why well actually I do know why um but you know from from a perspective of being in a profession being a, a man in the profession and looking at some of the barriers that I face I've had actually people straight up tell me like men shouldn't be in the world of nursing mm-hmm. uh which is which is really interesting to hear for from a profession that is compassionate and uh, all of those uh, other yeah. other words that are thrown out there. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting when you run, run into, into those, into those uh, very specific things. And, and I, and I do agree with you on, but diversity of, of what people bring into the profession. I think nursing is probably one of the most diverse because people do come from all sorts of background and experiences. And one of the reasons I love working with accelerated programs or the master's entry level programs, because those students have like a lived life, right? Mm -hmm. And they have, they're bringing other skill sets into the profession. Uh, And I always appreciate that. And I always tell them, don't leave that stuff behind, regardless of what you hear. Don't leave that stuff behind, bring that stuff with you. Uh, Because we're, we're that much as a profession, we're that much better for it. Yeah. Agreed Um, there. So uh, I definitely agree on that. Um, so what made you decide you were going to go on once you got into the school of nursing? Go on and what did you do next? Yeah, uh, well, I graduated and I um, I got into the ER. Um, so my first job as a new grad was a new grad in the emergency department at UCLA uh, at the main campus before the nice Ronald Reagan hospital. We were in the basement down there uh, in the old hospital. We used yeah. to count the cockroaches. <laughs> but in nursing school i had gotten into programming the simulator so we had sim man he was in a box it was my senior project to sort of pull him out and figure out how to run a scenario with him and we created coder johnson as the scenario it was a acls uh scenario and uh i always i just i just really loved the simulation world and how we could replicate these scenarios that i didn't get to see in clinicals and so um, sort of started as a new grad, but was always sort of dabbling in the sim stuff. I ended up doing like a consulting contract with Mount St. Mary's College. Um, and then ultimately ASU uh, made an offer for me to come back and work for them part-time as a simulation technology nurse. Um, and I was doing that part-time. I was working full-time nights in the emergency department in Scottsdale. And uh, and that sort of got me into the academic world. Um and and when I was building the Sim Center, they had built they had just started the Masters in Healthcare Innovation program at Arizona State, and I had no idea what that really meant, and just really decided um, I was going to build a simulator, and I needed innovation to do that, and so I joined this program. I, I remember having this call with Kathy Malik, uh, Dr. Kathy Malik, about about the program, and um, and I got in, and I was in the first cohort for this Masters program that had never existed. 
And uh, it was just really interesting. It was um, it was all about leadership. And we had Tim Porter Grady stand in the front of the room on the day one of this whole ah, program. Nice. I have no idea who this guy is. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just an ER, you know, new grad ER nurse. Like, I'm just <laughs> clueless to the world. And uh, and he, he stood up there and we called it the Sunday sermon. He just blew my mind with his his one of his keynotes uh, about wow. leadership and shared yeah. governance and the future of the profession. I was like, this is where I need to be. I really started resonating with that leadership stuff. Sort of dropped off the the idea of of simulation, building a simulator, and really started embracing this idea of how do you lead change in in healthcare. Um, and fell in love with that and went through that program. It was awesome. And then at the end of the program, they're like, Hey, we have this PhD and, um, <laughs> and people should apply. And I was like, Oh, sure. I'll apply. Whatever. Yeah. I just like, I threw my thing in and I was the only one that got in that, that semester into the innovation track of the PhD. And so I got one-on-one mentorship with Tim and Tim Porter Grady and Kathy Malik, which is, you know, life-changing for me. And, um, you know, it, it, it was just sort of, it was just sort of saying yes to the opportunity and, and something that felt like, I was interested in it and, and, uh, ended up, you know, graduating with that, with that degree as well with some really great mentorship. So, you know, I really never had a plan to be, to get a, a doctorate to, you know, do the leadership stuff. I thought it was just going to be an ER nurse for a while and, and really enjoyed the, the clinical practice, but, um, found a calling in the innovation and change work and, and it, it it's worked out so far pretty well. That's amazing. That's amazing. And for our listeners, if you don't know who Dr. Uh, Tim Porter Grady is, uh, look back a few seasons. He was actually on the podcast a couple of, maybe a couple of years ago, maybe a year ago or so. Uh, Amazing. And it's actually one of the uh, most, one of the most downloaded podcasts uh, on, 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 on the Iron Mentor podcast. So uh, I appreciated his uh, insight. Uh, Really amazing individual. uh, so uh, let's talk about your 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 big in the leadership world. You're big in the innovation world. Uh, uh, you know, just given given your background, um, uh, let's talk about nursing innovation for for a second. Uh, just because uh, I I think you and I have talked several times, and uh, I and I think we see eye to eye on this. But what is your what is your uh, like maybe thirty thousand view of nursing innovation? Like where are we as a profession? Uh, and then maybe we can get into uh, like where do we need to go from here type of thing. Yeah, I mean, um, I think we're at we're at the sort of this paradigm shifting moment as a profession um, coming out of COVID and the workforce issues, the burnout, the sort of questioning the past ways of work that nursing's done. And so I think it's really the the chance for nursing to build its own future. And I'm excited about sort of the groundswell of innovation efforts that are happening. We have. Um, we have the ANA now supporting it, you know, formal innovation. We have other groups that are creating the space for nurses to build devices and ideas and funding and and all this stuff that just it wasn't there ten years ago. And so, um, it's really it's really great to see that happen. So I think we're at this precipice where nurses can really choose to take control of their careers and control of healthcare and build solutions um, that ha- that the system has needed for a very long time. Um, I do think our profession also is on a paradox with the past. And I, I continue to hear how we need to go back to pre-COVID or what would Florence Nightingale do? 
<laughs> and that for me, that's sort of triggering because why are we looking at 1805 as the path forward in 2023? And right. and so I know there's great things. We need to honor the past. And I think, you know, throughout my career, I've sort of balanced that. It's how do you honor the past, but boldly push into the future? And um, I think we need to really do that and, and let go, <laughs> you know, disenthrall ourselves with some of those things that happened in the Crimean War and actually look towards uh, a, a different future or a new a new emergence of the profession. So I think we're right at that time where innovation is going to catalyze our, our our profession moving forward. And there's resources to do that now. And now it's about nurses making the choice to jump wholeheartedly into that disruptive change. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, um, I there's no love. Uh, anybody that's heard me talk before, there's no love lost between myself and Florence Nightingale. Um, <laughs> that's just, something we just, can agree on. <laughs> yeah, like you know, <clears throat> like you know, the you know uh, the the whole concept again, being a being a starting right, like right off the bat, being a male individual mm -hmm. uh, in the world of nursing, that within itself, uh, like doesn't I can't associate myself with 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 mm -hmm. her uh but but you're right but you know like with her with individuals like Mary Seacole the things that we can actually take away is how do how how can we be be bold and initiate change mm -hmm. right uh and I think that's what uh, a lot of uh, are the individuals that really started the formal profession of nursing because nursing has been around for probably thousands of years yeah uh but the what we call the profession of nursing now uh, has been led by individuals who had really had a different vision and actually ran with it. Uh, and I think that's what we could take away for 2023 going into 2024. Uh, I think those are the lessons we need to take away. Not like how can we be go back to, you know, the 1800s, yeah, um, which is not the way we need to be moving no, forward. No, we need to go the other direction. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, so, so yeah. So thank you for that. Um, but looking at, uh, for individuals that are listening, uh, what does, what does nursing innovation mean? Because so many people put nursing innovation in the box of technology, or they put it in the box of, uh, like electronic health records, which really kind of, uh, triggers me when, whenever they say, when we talk innovations and they go straight for the EHR and I'm like, that's not innovation. That's just no. a different way of, you know documentation um so um what does it what does innovation in the world of nursing uh, mean other than creating like let's say new new equipment and things like that yeah um i mean at the heart of sort of the literature of innovation it, it it's really about creating novel solutions in a population that needs that change or hasn't experienced it again so if you go all the way back to like um, Everett Rogers or even uh, Schumpeter's work in the in the, like the early 1900s industrial revolution sort of era, uh, it really was about solving problems differently and and creating products that that haven't been experienced before. Um, and that you know, it, and there's an example there too because people think, well, you know, innovation has to be this new thing no one's ever seen it in the whole world, and that's not necessarily true either. Right. Um, you know, if you went to a, a, a you know in the industrial revolution, if you went to a country that didn't have a train and you created a train, a, a locomotive, that's an innovation to that population because they've never had that 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 solution before. And so it's really those novel solutions. So if you think about it in the context of an organization, it's it's creating novel solutions to uh, unpredictable problems uh, or un, 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 uh, uh, sort of unwieldy problems within within a system. And that can be yeah. technology, that can be process, that can be um, 
you know, uh, marketing and how you brand things and how people perceive those are all sort of types of innovation that that occur within systems. So it's definitely not not just technology. And, you know, when we teach students that they're like, oh, I'm going to build an app. We Everyone wants to build an app to solve every problem. <laughs> like you're never going to build it. You're not going to build an app. Stop thinking about an app. Think about this. What's the process change? And you can enable it with a technology, but the actual innovation is the complete redesign of, of a service or or, right. or an experience and those type of things. That's really what innovation is. It's something new that adds value both economically and socially to a population. Yeah. Yeah. And I appreciate you mentioning that because so you mentioned apps and so many people are like, oh, I'm going to build an app. So I'm like, that's fantastic. Go for it. Uh, but, but again, but it's, it's not, it's not this, it's a platform, right? The right. apps are the platforms. And uh, I think uh, probably uh, the iPhones and of the world and the, uh, are, are kind of hearing that because every time you need something, there's a new app for it. Right. Mm-hmm. So everybody thinks that's innovation. Um, but uh, you mentioned something um, uh, around um, nurses being involved in this process, and I want to say, and and edu- education, uh, because from a, from if you look at uh, traditional education, whether it's an uh, uh, a, an ADN program or a BSM program, uh, you hardly see innovation. Uh, introduced in those programs at all because we're so uh, NCLEX focused, right? Um, where do you see as the best best area perhaps where, or how can faculty introduce innovation or in- innovational concepts to students in the pre-licensure? Because I think that's where I think we have the most to gain because people are early on just starting to frame their mindset around uh, uh, what nursing is about. And I think that's the best place to start introducing concepts like innovation into them because it becomes part of part of their nursing framework. So uh, have, having the experience of teaching innovation and working with students, uh, where do, maybe I should ask, where do you introduce it or where do you think can be it can be introduced in a pre-licensure program? Yeah, that's a tough one um, because because we've set up the culture in undergrad to be to be so NCLEX focused, and mm-hmm. so um, and I haven't I haven't taken a look at the actual test um, uh, categories for the next gen NCLEX, but yeah. uh, innovation's not usually in there. <laughs> No. So, so it's hard to get the students attention. And the same thing happens with like with with leadership class and evidence-based practice class. It's sort right. of like, well, if it's not on the test, I'm gonna sort of deprioritize it and focus on my PEDS like vital sign memorization sort of stuff. So right. I think you know, we have to sort of look at that um as just a culture and and figure out how we sort of reprioritize and put some of these other um these other big buckets of of the profession into the into that test but i think what that means is you as a faculty member you have to relate it back to the so what for for the new grad for the undergraduate students and i find you know evidence based practice is probably the best application of how to lead innovation or to put put those innovation nuggets in there because it's 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 the process you should be following for innovation in general you should be doing a, pro- a clear problem statement. You should be appraising the evidence to know what's already been done. And then the innovation aspect is jumping off of that if the answer is not clear to try out new things um, mm. based on that evidence. And then that can be the innovation. So I think that's one aspect of like, how do you bring new practice ready 
solutions or interventions into your practice. I think the second piece is we have to open up and med school started to really do this now across the country, but we have to start opening up the options beyond bedside care as your next step in your career. And, um, and that could be, you know, going into medical device companies and, and helping create things. It could be, um, you know, working in research and doing interventions for cl with clinical trials, like there's all these uh, coaching, all these other things that you can do as a nurse that I think can open people's minds up and then taps into that sort of entrepreneurial innovation spirit for those that are interested in that to do something beyond direct care um, as as they enter the profession. So I think those are sort of the two ways we can get undergrad um, students involved and interested in it because it's relevant to what they may want for their either their their life they or it's relevant to things that they're going to have to do when they go into practice. I think if we just go off and say, well, you should learn complex systems leadership and and you know all this kind of thing, I, I think it sort of turns off because they don't have the context to apply it right away. Yeah. Um, but when we get to the master's and, and doctorate level, they have that world experience and now they want to know how to lead better and then it, they can absorb it in that in that framework a little bit better. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, but again, uh, so you mentioned some concepts that I think um, are, are fantastic as far as putting it perhaps somewhere in like the evidence-based practice or a research course uh, for the pre-licensure. Do we have, do the faculty in general have the know-how of incorporating something like innovation uh, in or innovation concepts into the curriculum or uh, where do we, where do we need to develop our faculty to be able to incorporate that? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, no, <laughs> I mean, generally speaking, I don't think innovation is usually part of the conversation, especially in the undergrad curriculum. Um, but I think there's an opportunity for us to really think about it. And, um, and so I do think we need to have more, and I don't think you have to go like hardcore, you know, innovation, research, literature, that kind of stuff. I think we just need to get better at introducing, the aspects of change and leading change into into all levels of nursing curriculum, um, and that that's as simple as talking about change frameworks and change theories and 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 how that relates to you know how you're going to adapt to a patient a changing patient situation, how you're going to you know convince or negotiate with a patient for different care interventions or different evidence based practice things or or treatments etc. Um, all the way up through how do you you know lead change in in your team and 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 do that as as a professional as well. So I think if we just started with just change as as like a foundational concept that we teach, um, it helps them from the individual team and system level, and we can apply it throughout. So I think that's really where we we miss the boat um, on the faculty side. Uh, and then, you know, but but even at ASU, um, when I was going through the program, we had faculty members in the PhD program that didn't believe innovation was a science and that leadership wasn't a science. And so, you know, I think we have to sort of overcome some of those things and and go back to that. It's not it, the innovation literature is not necessarily in nursing literature. It's in business literature. And we have to look right. outside our profession for this evidence that they're, you know, and open our minds up that other people had really good ideas besides nurses. <laughs> and so we can learn <laughs> from them. And so let's learn from them, like, like, you know, Rogers and and Schumpeter and, and all these other, you know, uh, Stacy, all these other authors in the business world that really created the, the foundations for understanding how organizations and people create novel solutions. If we just start there with some of those stories, I think we can really 
um, get excitement and and have the foundations for the nur- for nursing students to build upon as they enter practice. Yeah, uh, and you make a great point, and it's a point of frustration for me quite 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 some a, a lot is the fact that nursing looks at nursing and doesn't look beyond nursing, uh, and I think that's just uh, uh, it, it doesn't make sense to me because there's so much other other. Uh, uh, concepts and 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 studies and research and everything out there that you could, we can easily adapt for the work that we do because we are everywhere, right? It's not just acute care, direct patient care. And I think that's one of the things that's maybe uh, paralyzing us uh, at times is because we don't have, we can't see beyond the bedside. And that's, mm-hmm. that, that's, a, that's a shortfall uh, of the profession where, um, where people like individuals like yourself uh, who are looking beyond the four walls of a hospital uh, when you're teaching or you're speaking or you're doing uh, uh, any kind of work, you're looking beyond the four walls of the hospital and it's appreciated. So thank yeah. you. Yeah. When I see, you know, I see our physician colleagues as well. Like they don't, in my, in my experience, and this is generalization, but you know, they'll step up when they want something changed and they'll, they'll be loud and they'll go to the meeting and they'll bring evidence and they'll, they'll sometimes push their way to get, get what they need. Um, and what I find generally in nursing is we have, we definitely have people that do that, but for the most part, nursing's like, Oh, they won't give it to me. I'm going to go on social media now and complain about it instead of like trying to push it forward. And and I know that's like a very big generalization, but yeah. I do see, I do see sort of a different mentality when we get frustrated or we hit a roadblock, we sort of shut down and go insular and try and uh, co- corroborate it with our with our colleague our nurse colleagues instead of you know, stepping up stepping out and maybe um, demanding something in a way that uh, we other other professions or our other colleagues are doing so I hope we can overcome some of that victim mentality that's sort of in, in, in nursing yeah. as a generalization and and you bring up a you're, you're you're making a lot of light bulbs go off in my head right now um how much do you think? that victim mentality is self-inflicted from from a nursing profession like we have stepped up and shut been shut down i can tell you like very recent experience for myself uh where i brought up a concept and uh, there was retaliation uh for for me even mentioning something something like that so from from that perspective, how much of that is like self-inflicted wounds in the profession of nursing where we've learned, just, you know what, I'm just going to walk away and complain about it. Yeah, I think um, I think there is a definitely self-inflicted piece to it. I think it's that struggle between what we we think nursing should be and what's happening and and some attachment to um, the stories and the history of that. And, and, and so I do think there's there's definitely internal issues there. Um, and I, I think there's real lived experiences where it's happened. I mean, the culture up until recently also was this big hierarchy in organizations where nurses were sort of the bottom of, of the barrel for the most part. And, and the physician, you know, you'd have to stand up for the physician to sit down to chart. And, right. you know, that, that that's in recent history. That wasn't all that far ago. So I think, you know, there's some overcoming of these cultural norms and our organizations aren't always set up to, to support people that step up and, and, and be loud like that. And then we have, we have bullies, we have toxic people in, in the profession and in organizations that sort of 
perpetuate this this culture. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I, I think it, we we need the thing that we nursing can stop is stop bullying other nurses. It, I mean that's easy. Actually. We don't have to ask permission. We just have to stop it and stop. hold people accountable. <laughs> like let's just do that, and the world's a better place. <laughs> <laughs> I know, like like it's it's mind boggling for like I haven't you know I, I compared to some of my colleagues, I have not been a nurse that long. Uh, I became a nurse in two thousand seven, so it's like you know like sixteen years now. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to probably stop saying I haven't been a nurse that long. Uh, but then I, when I have my colleagues who've been nurses in like 30 years or 35 years, I'm like, okay, well, I haven't been a nurse that long. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I just completely lost tra- lost train of my thought. Uh, no, but what, I, what I'm trying to get to is I think from the time that I come into the world of nursing, uh, I've heard about this nurse bullying. There's been literature around nurse bullying. There's been research around nurse bullying. And we're still talking about nurse bullying. And that's at least 16 years that yeah. I can, you know, that I can say uh, this has been happening. And I'm sure. Uh, and the literature goes even further back. So it's yeah. really weird that we continue to perpetuate the uh, the whole idea. <laughs> of- I mean, that that's the thing that gets me is like, we've been talking about the same thing for 30 years. Yeah. Like we nursing just continues to, I mean, even at the Academy at the 50 year keynote, I was like, this is stuff that was talked about 10 years ago. Yeah, like, This is supposed to be the future. And, and I think those are the things that frustrate me is like, can we just move to the future? <laughs> can we just yeah. talk about what is possible? Can we open up our brains to think beyond a New York times article that was written, like, like where's our narrative in this thing. And anyway, so I, I do think we need to break away. And that I think it, you know, there's this great quote by Abraham Lincoln. He talks about disenthralling ourselves and then we shall save our future, our country. And yeah. I think nursing needs to disenthrall itself with a few things and people, and we can actually, you know, make the profession that I think we all aspire to make. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I want to I want to use some of our time because you do have a a, a a large footprint in the world of leadership, uh, with your writings and your uh, and your national and I'm going to assume international speaking engagements um, on leadership. Um, where is nursing leadership? I mean, this is a sort of a loaded question. Where do you think nursing leadership is? Uh, right now when it comes to leading, as you mentioned, leading nursing into the future, right? Like where are we uh, uh, from a as a profession and where do you think we need to go? Yeah, I think, um, I think there are some, there's, there's leaders that are emerging that have a view of the future. And I, I really, I, I'm excited about it. I think there's sort of a changing of the guard that's happening a generational shift in who's emerging as our new sort of executive leadership. I think we're seeing a lot of people um, come up in those informal leadership roles as well, either whether it's on social media or within organizations without the title, they're doing some really interesting things. Um, you know, and I think, I think, I think there's, there's sort of the groundswell of, of we need this innovation stuff. I mean, just when I go out and speak, uh, you know, to these different organizations, people really resonate with this this building the future innovation stuff. So I think that the time is now. Um, and again, another nursing paradox is we also have leaders that 
are perpetuating the old system and mm. benefit from that. And so I think I think I think we're seeing the shift more towards like we're not going to put up with that. We see that with the labor movements. We see that with nurses, you know, ready to you know leave an organization at the drop of a hat to go do something different and and feeling agency and and making those career choices where before you were sort of you had to pay your dues for 10 years before you could ever do that now you can <laughs> do that in, in in a year or 6 months in some, in some cases so i think that agency is really helping push against some of those old structures that aren't so good and and help and they they gravitate towards the ones that are better so i i think i think we're ready for it what i'd like to see though is our national organizations take a bolder stance on 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 creating that future and being yeah. more um, vocal uh, with with social media specifically, but but also just in general around creating a narrative that's different than some of the things that I see on TikTok and and Instagram and and there's this sort of divide of us versus them, staff nurse versus management, and and just this whole sort of narrative that's perpetuated with with a few voices, um, and there's not a counter to it. So I would like to see more nurse leaders jump in to talk about the changes they're leading, the system that's broken, the the things that are holding us back and where we need novel solutions. And that's what I think is really missing in the innovation narrative is is the other side of the story. <laughs> what is what is quote unquote this ambiguous management group doing and and just being out and and clearer and more transparent in in the great work that people are building um, in their system. So I, I think that that's sort of the general landscape at this point. Yeah. Uh, and I appreciate that answer because because I, you're right, because I think most nursing organizations are um are sort of absent in countering some of the other um uh other um concepts that are out there about the world of nursing. Uh, because they're going business as usual and they're just not shifting uh to counter some of the some of the uh, perhaps uh, the negative uh, cons- uh, or mm-hmm. ideas or concepts that are out there. Um, so it, it, it is uh, sometimes disheartening when uh, larger organizations that represent all of us uh, are absent in that in that arena. Yeah, uh, and and you mentioned something else, <laughs> uh, the the concept of the old guard because I see it all the time where you have. Uh, nurses uh, with a lot of years of experience, right, uh, that are failing to build the next generation, right? And they're just moving. And you see them in leadership positions, like, everywhere, right? They have, like, they sit on every board. And, yeah. you know, they, they sit on, like, eight different boards. Uh, and every time you turn around, you see their face. And I'm like, how are you... For example, like is like the CNO of this large institution or this large body, and also sit on eight boards. And while other individuals are struggling to find their way into these leadership roles, right? Uh, like, is it necessary for you to be in all of these? Or they they you know uh, um, I had somebody on the show a few months ago, and she said it beautifully as far as. They're playing musical chairs, uh, and she was very specific. And I, you know, I, I don't want to burn any bridges, but she was speaking about deans, and we see mm-hmm. deans move from one university to another university to another university. I'm like, and they're like, where is the opportunity that we are creating for 
other individuals to step into those dean roles. Yeah. And I say it in, in, in service side too, where people are going from one organization to another organization. Um, where are we? I, and this is one of actually one of the reasons I created the RN Mentor podcast is because I was I was like, where is the everyday nurse hearing about the work that nurses is nurse nurses are doing outside of the four walls of the hospital, or if they're not attending a conference, which is which by the way, I need, I need to say this as much as possible. The pricing on conferences is getting a little bit out of hand yep. and is becoming less and less affordable. Uh, so that within itself is creating some inequities within the nursing profession, mm -hmm. but also like, how do I bring, uh, somebody like yourself, who's actually well-known in the conference community. And, and I'm sure you've done your share of speaking engagements. Like, how do I bring your voice to the nurses that aren't, uh, at those conferences necessarily. Mm -hmm. Right. So, uh, with, with that said, um, and and again with the RMN's podcast, one another reason I wanted to create it was because I wasn't I was having a hard time finding a mentor, mm -hmm. right? Um, so which is which is something like when I was in the military, I had no issues. I knew exactly who I could talk to. They were very open to it, and they were happy to. It was part of the system where I feel like nursing struggles with that. Um, what's your what's your what's your take on creating like the mentorship, the sponsorship? creating the next generations of leaders who's doing it well and what do we need to do as a profession to do it better? Yeah. I, I mean, you get, you bring up a really good point, which is, you know, I think there's an opportunity for people to, you know, one, and one of the pieces of leadership is stepping aside to let others take, take the, the reins for right. lack of a better analogy <laughs> is, is to step into those roles and to take a mentor um, coach perspective rather than I need to sit there in a formal role and, and you need to be, you know, uh, you know, my subordinate until I'm done. And then you'll be this thing. <laughs> I think we really got to sort of fix that, that piece and, and allow people to step aside and, and put term limits. And I, you know, I feel like it's <laughs> term, like, it, yeah. you know, we got to do all the things that like the U S government's got to figure out too, uh, for our, for our profession. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I do think, you know, if I look at, you know, complex, complex systems, complexity theory, you know, one of the pieces, one of the, the, the sort of foundation of that is organizations are living systems. And, and if you have the, the same sort of, um, uh, structures that, that, allow a human body to thrive um then then and you relate that to an organization um sort of you know food uh lack of stress uh time to repair like those type of things um and and one of those aspects is you, you know a living thing needs to reproduce that's how it's you know that's how the, that that species continues to to be around and I think we have to take that analogy to nursing and organizations. We have to, you know, when, when we look at organizations and reproduction is not create necessarily creating more, it's um, it's creating succession so that when one part of that system leaves, goes away, steps down, whatever, that there's an organic way for um, the next generation to step in there. And I don't think we always do a good job of that. We don't set up formal succession plans. We don't, we want people to be on these career tracks, especially in academia. You know, if you don't check these boxes, you'll never get to tenure, et cetera. Right. Um, and, you know, I've always found that really frustrating. I've never had a linear career path. And, um, and even when applying to the Academy for a fellow, I had to craft a different story. Like I didn't have, like, I started with a T1 grant and then it went into an RO, uh, R3 and then it went to R1 and then it was NIH funded. And then boom, I, you know, I'm, I'm the expert in all this stuff, uh, which is a perfectly great 
you know, pathway for me, it was like, well, I was at this organization for three years and did some stuff. And I went over here and did some more stuff. And, you know, the, here's the other thing I did this innovation work and this is the impact. And it was hard to craft that because it wasn't that linear path. I think we expect people to be on. And, and so I think there's an opportunity for us to embrace experiences outside of a linear path as a, a rich environment for us to, um, to pick our leaders from, like, just because you didn't, you weren't a manager on a, on a, on a med surge unit for five years, doesn't mean you can't be a great leader in some aspect within a system. And so I think we have to sort of move away from those linear paths and embrace that breadth of experiences and how it relates to what we're trying to achieve in a role or in an organization. Yeah. And I think one of the issues we have um, is we don't, we don't ask like the people that necessarily like maybe work for us or work with us, like what their goals are. Right. So we're not developing them um, in that way. We're just develop like developing them in, in what we think they should be doing versus developing them in what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's a great point. And I agree with you with on the, on the Academy thing. I, you know, when my sponsors came to me and said, we want to sponsor you for the Academy, I was like, no, 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 I don't have, you know, like 30 years of experience with like 50 publications mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So yeah, uh, it was very difficult trying to craft that, uh, the messaging and your impact when it doesn't follow the traditional kind of, uh, way of doing things. So, uh, so hundred percent agree. Um, we're just about at time and I want to make sure uh, um, I, I I don't run into your next meeting because I know you're a busy individual. Um, what is your, what are your thoughts um, on, on uh, next steps for, uh, for that leadership? If you had, if you were, if you ran, let's say, if you, if they gave you a day and they said, you can do whatever you want with the world of nursing, what would that be your, uh, what would be like the one thing that you would tweak uh, uh, if you had the opportunity to do so? Oh, man. <laughs> I don't I would do so much. <laughs> uh, you, I, you know, I think, um, I mean, just to keep it practical, I would say we need, to, I would, I would create an accountability framework for nurse leaders for their behaviors. Um mm. And that would be uh, rewarding nurse leaders who take risks and support their teams and build succession plan and and have the future of the profession in mind. And it would be challenging those who are uh, allowed to stick in the past and create the drama, the toxicity, the bullying, and and let those profe- those cultures sort of um, fester. Yeah, fester exactly, <laughs> and I would create a way to identify it very quickly and remove the people that let it fester. Yeah. <laughs> and so <laughs> I think that that's what I would change. I, I I mean, the profession in general is is amazing, and there's so much opportunity, and we have such an impact on people's lives. I wouldn't change the practice necessarily. I think where our issue is as a profession is in our structure and in our voice. And so I would, I would, you know, get rid of the bad eggs potentially, or help them sort of find joy elsewhere. And then I would uh, elevate nursing's voice into a single voice, uh, uh, coordinated voice that could actually change policy and change practice and, and fight some of the fights fight the good fight um, to, to build a different health system. 
Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, I, I I like I like I like how you worded that. Help them find joy elsewhere. <laughs> that's right. that's I, I love that. I love that. Uh, that's that's uh, I would like to assist in that process. Um, so uh, we're we're again we're just about at time. Um, uh, anything else you wanna you wanna share um, uh, with the audience? No, I'm just uh, appreciate this. And, um, and, you know, I think if you're listening to this, uh, you have such great content in this podcast, I I think, you know, what are you going to do about it? Um, And just know that there's a group of co-conspirators out there um, that want to support you and are willing to challenge the status quo. And so, you know, if you have an idea, you have a frustration that you want to solve, connect with people, um, get on LinkedIn, get on, get, get in, find those, those mentors out there that will help you navigate the world and, and go make it awesome. Like now is the time to build it. So, um, so just appreciate the time and, and the opportunity to, to chat today. Thank you. We've been listening to Dr. Dan Weberg, uh, and I look forward to, uh, bringing you more incredible guests in the future. Thank you. You've been listening to the RN Mentor with your host, Ali Taya. Please don't forget to visit www.aliartayeb.com. That's www.aliartayeb.com for podcast notes and resources. And don't forget to subscribe. Until next time, I wish you fair winds and following seas.